Okay, guys, very welcome back to the show. I've got a very, very special guest on the show today, an Irish man as well that's doing good things over in America with all the other Irish people working at the WWE at the moment. Mr. Kevin Egan, or should I call you Kevin Patrick? Call me whatever you want, Morris. Great to be chatting with you. Great to chat to you, man. Look, we'll start with the name. Obviously, your name's Kevin Egan. You come into WWE, you're Kevin Patrick. How did that happen? Well, with WWE, uh, more often than not, you, you as you see yourself, like their stage names. So uh, Kevin Patrick, Patrick is my middle name. I just asked, is that is that cool to go with that? And they said, perfect. So quite quite simple, really. Kevin Patrick Egan is my name. Um, Kevin Egan on the broadcast side with football work and then Kevin Patrick with WWE. I was thinking that maybe they just gave you that name because of St. Patrick. So that's after clearing oh, that one up. Middle name. Yeah, it was yeah. even that name in the coom many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we'll talk about, like, obviously people will know you from watching this podcast, predominantly wrestling. They'll know you from WWE TV, but you've been in America since 2009. So do you yeah. want to give people a kind of background on what you were doing over there? Yeah, well, before America, I was working with RTE. RT Sport for years since 2004. So from 2004 to early 2009, uh, started out like as a runner making tea and coffee. Then you know working with the likes of Bill O'Hurley and uh, and you name it. Really, I worked on the Tuberty Tonight Show, then on the Late Late Show, on other shows throughout the entertainment side of things like the Toy Show, and then I got a job as a researcher on the World Cup in 2006. Uh, with the, working for the with the likes of Dunphy and Giles and, and uh, Brady and, and Bill, so brilliant experiences. Then got onto TV doing like TTV. Do you remember? Do you remember they used to have the show between say the Simpsons and Home and Away, and it'd be you yeah, know the, the sports person on or the the movie person on. So I was a sports guy, and I was also doing RT Radio Sport. But I was also looking up the adder the ladder Morris at the the likes of the Bills and the, the you know Des Cattles. Uh, the Tom McGurks, all, a lot of the, the older gentlemen, and then the women as well coming through. And I'm like, just go away for a year, get some experience abroad for a year. I have a US passport, thanks to my mom being from Chicago. So I went across to America, met my wife a week later. And uh, yeah, I've been here since since January 20th, the day Barack Obama was inaugurated back in 2009. And I've worked in several TV networks and uh, across the States, really. I've lived in three different cities, Chicago, Miami, and now in Atlanta. Funny enough that you mentioned, you mentioned President Obama. I, doing my in-depth in -depth research, sorry, on this podcast, found out that you, this may be true or false, in your sixth year in school, in your yearbook, it said that you were most likely to be president of America. Where did you find that? Good research. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, back in school in the year. Yeah, that is true. Actually, I don't know if you've been speaking to any of my old classmates, but I remember that was that was in there. It was probably just because of the American connection. You know, in school, yeah. I'd... I'd uh, I'd say things like, "What would they? That would they be slagging me, saying, oh, it's your little sister wear a diaper?'" You know, like they'd be putting on the American accent, doing just because my mom had the American accent, and it was just a novelty for everybody. Yeah, I'll leave you thinking about who told me that one. <laughs> Good stuff. So, like your your dad won two All Irelands for Dublin as well in the seventies. Um, I was reading that you done a little bit of sport, but encountered an injury in your career. Is that right? Yeah. No, it, it, I was never going to play for the Dubs. I played. At a, I thought a really good level of we were minor one for Rohini and uh, we had a good team and I, I tore my ACL playing under 21 football out in Aaron's Isle, never forget it and it was just the most excruciating pain and we, I was playing the best ball in my life then but it, I was never I was never on the path to represent the Dubs at, at a time when you know I was a corner forward, full forward, wing forward 
Bernard Brogan, Alan Brogan, look at the players that have come through since then. Um, so I was never good enough, but it was my love. That was my biggest love growing up was the dubs. Uh, going to games with my dad, hearing stories of Hefo's army from my dad and uh, working on the Sunday game then was a dream. You know, Michael Lester was my idol. So all of those things very much true. I love my club, Rohini GA back at home and I look forward to going back at Christmas and having a pint up in the local clubhouse. Deadly, deadly. How did the WWE role come about then? How did you how did you get that opportunity? I was shaving one day, Morris, getting ready to go on CNN International to talk Champions League, and I got a phone call off a New York, New York number. And usually in America, you get a lot of spam, political phone calls, so they'd be Boise, Idaho, or Omaha, Nebraska, things like that. Like, you wouldn't really see New York, New York. So I answered, and it was a, a gentleman, and he was saying, look, we're, we're headhunting for broadcasters, different broadcasters to come down, and it was a Thunderdome era at the time, um, an audition. And it, we're not quite sure what the exact role is, would you be interested in coming down? I said, absolutely, I'd love to. So I drove to Tampa, uh, did like some walk and talk interviews, uh, some commentary with Corey Graves. You know, I was with Michael Cole for the day. I, I sat on a SmackDown up in, in Gorilla, you know, sitting next to Triple H. Um, and they put me through the ringer, like interviews with different superstars. It was Liv Morgan at the time. And uh, it was so much fun. And I left wanting the job, really, really wanting the job. I remember calling my wife driving out of Tampa, I'd be like, that'd be class. That'd be absolutely brilliant. And I've been quite open with the fact that I didn't grow up with it. it. I wasn't the one in school, like coming in on a Monday morning, desperate to talk about what DX were doing or, or like, but I was yeah. also in the conversations, you know, like, it's not like I didn't know what was going on. And uh, I just wasn't the one with Shawn Michaels posters on my wall, you know, or, or Triple H. So it's just, I've been open about that. It's been a learning experience for me and it still is. And it will be for quite some time as long as I'm with the company. Yeah, because I was looking at a few of your previous interviews and you were saying that you had to do a lot of in-depth in -depth research for the roles, like watching back old footage and stuff like that. How many hours have you had to kind of consume to get to where you are now? Well, a big part of it, to be honest, is the current is the current product. Like the, that's the most important thing is the storylines, what we're doing, talking with the superstars um, and making sure that I'm totally and utterly engrossed with what we're doing now. That's the most important thing. And then when you have an opportunity to look back on, you know, famous matches over the years or whatever else, like talking with, I, I had a sit down interview with John Cena last week. So obviously yeah. you're diving deep into his career and going through, you know, special moments throughout his career, some of the harder moments throughout his career. And um, that's when you dive deeper, but it's a challenge because I also work elsewhere. I've got young kids at home that are four and two and uh, life is, life is manic right now. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what's the what's the main difference then? Say you're commentating on a football game, like, and I know the way the pro wrestling works. Like you're commentating on a match, but you've kind of got people in your ear as well. Is that difficult to deal with? No, it's it's not because I've been in the broadcast world now for close to twenty years. So having people in your ear is just something you get used to. It's difficult yeah. to start. I mean, if you have never had that happen to you before, and you are in the middle of talking, and someone comes in and they have to give you very specific instruction that can be a challenge for people that have never done it. But over the t over time, you, you, from doing different roles, especially in TV, like when you're in the graphics chair, when you're in the technical director chair, you garner a greater appreciation and understanding of how the whole process works. So you get to a place where you're okay. You know, the ear stuff is fine. Um, what was the other part of it? The, the, the differences in the roles. So for football, it's a different tone a lot of the time. So you've got to channel your inner football broadcaster and then the WWE broadcaster. And they are very different, but I think the common denominator and, and the, the key trait for both is storytelling. So whether you're going into a match between Man United and Liverpool, 
uh, or whether it's LAFC against Cincinnati, you there are stories to tell. Like you're a storyteller, yeah. first and foremost, the stories of the season and the narratives coming in, but then also the story of the match. And it's very similar to WWE. When you think about it, the story of the year, say for Roman Reigns, but then the story of the match and how the match is playing out with LA Knight. So it's it's cool to think about. I actually love having these conversations because I think ultimately doing being a football broadcaster can help me be a better WWE broadcaster and absolutely vice versa. Yeah. We speaking of the big man there, Roman Reigns. Who do you see maybe dethroning him eventually? Oh man, who knows? It, it, he's 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 pushing uh, Bruno Sammartino and, and Hulk Hogan and their records. He's getting there at, at this point. Yeah. I don't know. This the spec that's the truth. I have no idea. All the talk in the world, you know, from reading online and everything else is that it, Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns will clash again at some point soon, you would think. Uh yeah. is Cody the man to do it again? I don't know. It's it's a fascinating one because for me, like with the bloodline, it's like you need reinforcement. Like Cody understands that now, um, and maybe that's why he's he's become buddy buddy with Jay. Like who knows? You know, maybe Jay Uso's intel into how the bloodline work and Roman thinks is valuable for Cody if that goes there down the line. But Roman has just been special. It's been it's been the entire story at a time, Morris, when. We're we're in a swipe right culture, right? We're in a what's next, what's next, what's next? Yeah. Whether it's reels or refreshing on Twitter, X now. Um, we're in that instant gratification period of society, and yet this has been. I'll ask you your opinion on this. Maybe one of the greatest stories ever told in WWE history: the story of the bloodline that's gone on for over three years. Yeah, 100% agree with you. It's the best thing that the company have put out in a long time in terms of long-term storytelling. not saying they put out bad things, but in terms of long-term, that kept, that's kept and still keeping people's interest there. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So who's going to take down Roman? <laughs> Who knows, man? It could, we could be, in five years' time, we could be talking about Roman Reigns still being the head of the table. Yeah. There's, still, there's still always the rumor when Mania is running around that The Rock might show up. So who knows? That could yeah, work. We saw him recently in Denver, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. What is your what is your proudest moment in working for the WWE so far? Probably being trusted with the role. Quite honestly, um, proud moments when you get, when when Triple H shakes your hand and says best of luck, uh, because you know that they don't throw anybody into that role. And I know I've got a long way to go. I know I'm learning, you know, a million and one things every week. I'm, I think I'm humble enough to understand that. And I've worked in the industry long enough to, to know where you need to get to versus where you are. There may be people that will sit in that chair and think they're the bee's knees and think they, they know it all. Um, but the reality is it doesn't matter what you know about professional wrestling. There's a different level of understanding the sense, the smell, the sensations that you need to feel in that role when you're a storyteller on a Raw or a SmackDown show. So probably the proudest moment is just being told okay uh we're, we're moving on from from this person and now you're up we'll see you monday and you're like okay that's that's a big it's a big step but we only get one go at this life morris and sometimes you have to say have a case of the feckets <laughs> just go for it you, you seem like from talking to you that you kind of embrace these things and you kind of work well under pressure anyway yeah, but the, the natural anxiety kicks in too, and uh, th there's there's no question about it. Like the first the first few months, uh, it's still there. You know, it's still there. When that when that music hits and you go on air, 
And imagine, put yourself in, in, in my shoes for a second. You're a broadcaster, right? You're in that chair, the, the lights come on, the pyro hits, and your Roman comes out and you're go. And you've got the greatest of all time to many people, Michael Cole next to you. It's, yeah. it's, an intimidating, it's an intimidating environment, but I do think it's an incredibly privileged position to be in. Uh, I'm very, very grateful and extremely lucky that they've said to me, okay, we're, we're giving you a go. Um, and now I just want to do right by the WWE universe, which takes time. Like, mm -hmm. I think Michael Cole tells me all the time, he's like, people are only starting to turn and, 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 and give me praise now in the last few years. Yeah. For, for 20 years for 20 years they hated me um and it's just something that he's he's a genius at what he does and if, you, if you're not recognizing the storytelling ability of michael cole and the pacing throughout matches and how he makes you feel you gotta you gotta open your eyes a little bit he's, he's so good at what he does is that something you ever do like you know when you read online you read about different people on twitter feeds and stuff like that and some of the comments may be negative do you read into that or do you just ignore that no i don't anymore but i'll tell you like week two um i remember i finished up week two i was we were in oklahoma city and i went back and i looked and i did the the, the dreaded thing of searching my name uh, yeah. on twitter and man i found myself sinking down the side of the wall in the bathroom because i was like i am the worst human being on planet earth and i i get it like fans are either going to hate you they're going to love you they're going to like you they're going to think you're meh whatever it is you 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 elicit emotions when you're sitting in that chair and they have to hear your voice or they want to hear your voice and it's uh, it's it's just one of those things that you've just got to keep going. And yeah. you know, I talked to John Cena about it because about ten years ago, remember, John Cena was booed everywhere he went, and yeah. um, he he's like a great person to be able to talk to about things like this. You just you keep going, you learn, you get better, and you listen because if there's things you're doing that are grinding people's gears, well, then learn from it, you know, and 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 try to be the best you can possibly be. But it takes time. I remember Michael Cole saying that it took him 12 years. He said this on the After the Bell podcast with Corey years ago, and I listened back to it, and he said, it took me 12 years to feel like I had a handle on this show. And it's one of the most challenging roles I could ever imagine. It really is. Yeah. What advice did John give you then, if you could share that? John, it, I will share it, actually, yeah. One of the, the things that he said was stakes. He said in every single match, as a broadcaster, you're, 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 you're telling people about the stakes, and maybe it's... Maybe it's a new match, it's a new rivalry, a new feud, but there is absolutely stakes on the personal side, the, the professional side of each wrestler heading in. You've got to find those stakes and you've got to tell the audience about those stakes. And he said it like he, we were chatting and he said, look, even in your soccer world, he said every single match, what do you call it when there's no stakes and there's nothing on the line? And I was like, it's a friendly. And he said, yeah, exactly. So there's no, you've got to find the stakes in everything you do. And I love that advice. Yeah, that's really cool. Really cool. Um, did you get to work much with Vince McMahon? Because everyone always says this guy, the hardest working guy in the world. Did, did you ever get to any advice off him or anything when you were coming into the role? Not, not really. No, no, I no. didn't. I mean, Mr. McMahon, Vince was always, you know, always present uh, and there. And, and I never really, uh, you know, I never had a, a foot like I'd chat with him every now and then just, you know, constructive advice, move on. Always incredibly professional um and obviously a genius of what he does given what he's created yeah and of course triple h kind of bringing the company forward now into a new era and um, what do you make of the way the product is going under him yeah brilliant absolutely superb and he just he he's so passionate about what he does and that passion percolates throughout the room every time he's in the room like you, you can just tell 
how excited he is to be there, how passionate he is about what he's doing and how he inspires everybody around him. So he's uh, he's been wonderful, genuinely wonderful. And and like he's when you're around him, you want to be a sponge and just learn from him. Yeah. Obviously, things have changed over the last couple of months then with the Endeavour takeover. Um, did that change much for you guys or was it just kind of steer the ship as normal? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Honestly, no, I, I read about it all, but it's changed absolutely nothing on our end in terms of being broadcaster, storytelling, um, our day-to-day at Raw or SmackDown. Absolutely nothing. Would you like to see Conor McGregor make the jump over to WWE? I think he'd be. I think he'd be interesting. I don't... What do you think? Like, I, I, I don't I think know. he's born for it. You think he's born for it? Why? I think so, because he's an entertainer, but I think he could be a little bit too much to handle, you know? Yeah, I, I'd love to see it, because yeah. at the end of the day, it's entertainment, right? And everybody would, would it'd be box office. Like, you see, right. you see the emotion that Logan Paul elicits now around yeah. the world, and Conor McGregor would absolutely have that and more. So I think, I think it's something that'd be really fascinating and compelling to see happen. Yeah. Silly season's coming up. We've only a couple of minutes left. Survivor Series is on the cards. People are obviously talking about CM Punk. He's a free agent now, and there's always links back to him and WWE. What I'll ask you is, um, he done commentary with WWE years ago. Would that be something that would interest you and in having like someone like CM Punk beside you? I, I'm up for anything. When it comes to commentary, if you if you say, like if there's a if there's a legend you know, within the WWE world right now, say, not CM Punk from the outside, but there's someone there who they said, hey, we're going to put on commentary. That's that's one of the most exciting things for me is working with new people. Like I had a chance to work with Wade a few weeks ago. And yeah. it's it's so much fun because you want to be around them at all times beforehand to soak up who they are and what makes them tick. And then hopefully, you know, find those little triggers that you can bring on air at some point. And the job of a host is always to get the best out of the person next to you. Even if you think the host, it like, do you remember, and this is something I can talk with you about uh, because you're Irish, Bill O'Hurley. Yeah. Bill yeah. used to ask what to many people in the local pub would be like, ah, it's a stupid question. To the point where Dunphy would nearly say, that's a stupid question, Bill. But Bill knew exactly what he was doing. Bill yeah. knew exactly what he was doing. And by asking that question, he knew that Dunphy would say something like that and it would poke the bear. And that's yeah. that's something as a as a host, I'm always thinking of is like what maybe it's a maybe it's a certain moment that you just ask a question that you know that Corey Graves is going to jump down your throat, but that's good TV. Like if it makes me look like a fool, I don't care. I genuinely yeah. don't care. It's one of those things that you're like, what's going to elicit some sort of a response from home? Let's just do it. Yeah. Now you would say Michael Cole has probably been maybe the most helpful person, would you say, in your role because of his vast experience in the in the job. Yeah. Now, Michael Cole has wrestled numerous matches and even won at WrestleMania. Could we ever see? Mark. Could we ever see you in the ring? And if they asked you to do it, would you do it? I'll do whatever's needed. Yeah, of course, I'll do whatever's like whatever's needed. I don't see that happening. Uh, I I really don't. Um, you know, maybe who knows? You, you never say never in any walk of life at all. But down the line, if they said to me, "We need you to to you know." do whatever it is i'm up for it I'm, I'm just along for the ride in the best possible way i'm having fun and um i'm just honored to be in that chair quite honestly yeah and finally as we wrap up there's so many irish people in the company now between the two girls headlining halloween havoc you have yeah. jordan there and finn and seamus and i can tell you from being to shows over here that the the cycle hasn't ended yet there's a lot of people here 
that I think could be working alongside you really soon. And that's pretty cool to be yeah. in Ireland at the moment. And they're brilliant people. That's the best part about it all, quite honestly, Morris, is like you can get people from your country. Cool. But what are they like, you know, as people, as human beings? What are they like? And I'll tell you, Shamo, Finn, Becky, uh, Lyra, like they're they're deadly. They're just absolutely a JD, you know, they're just they're top people. And it warms my heart when you go in there. And I, I definitely have a special bond with all of them. You know, 100%. Like, Corey will slag me about it when Becky comes out. But I'm like, no, Becky grew up five minutes from where I grew up at home. Becky and I would have passed each other on the bus. You know, I'm in the 30, I'm on the 31B heading out to Fintons in Sutton. And she's going from Bayside to uh, to Mount Temple. And that's cool. When you're when you're able to put those, we were in uh, a Crown Jewel show in Saudi a, few, a couple of years ago. And yeah. we kind of joined the dots there talking about it. I'm like, of course, you're going to have a connection with... Seamus, who played full forward for Finbars, you know, you're chatting about those days or was a bouncer at Lily's, you know, like you're, you're having a connection. I, I connect with Finn when we're talking about the Premier League and he's a big Spurs fan. So um, I, I think it's I think it's cool when that happens. And I do honestly believe that we're a special country that when we go away as Irish people, you always find that common bond. And uh, for me, I'll say this. Every one of them has been absolutely brilliant to me and I'm forever in their death for just how much they welcome me in. Yeah. Look, man, it was an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Jeez, I nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure to catch up with you today, man. And look, really appreciate your time. And hopefully maybe in, in about a year's time, we can do this and see what you're up to. Lovely chatting with you, Morris. Continued success. And uh, hi to everybody listening in here as well. So cheers for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Man. Yeah.